Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty360. I hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. I want to welcome you back to another edition of Loyalty Live. In the series that we talk to the leaders and customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology trends and best practices that impact uh, the ability of brands to drive unique experiences, enhance engagement, but most importantly, drive customer loyalty. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Tim Glom, who's the Vice President of Content and Data at Cheetah Digital. And the topic we're going to be talking about today is zero-party data. Hi, Tim. How are you today? I'm doing great. So thanks for having me back. Excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role uh, with Cheetah Digital? Sure. Well, I sit at the uh, intersection of content and technology here at Digital, uh, Cheetah Digital. So I build great content stories, tell our client stories. But I've got almost 20 years in the brand marketer seat. So probably most of your clients and the people watching, I have a lot of empathy for because uh, Richard and I, our CMO, were just laughing yesterday. I've signed 30 SaaS agreements for my brand clients in 2019 alone. So I'm constantly thinking about how to make uh, our vendor relationships and our solutions meet the business needs of, uh, of brand marketers. So hopefully uh, a little bit of that empathy comes through in our answers today. Absolutely. Uh, kind of follow up to that. Uh, for those who don't know you, and I've uh, learned more and more about you, you have kind of a unique background. Uh, and I'm sure it'll kind of play out in a fun fact. We always like to get a fun fact, something you're passionate about, whether it's uh, playing the guitar or the bass with your son or extreme skiing or, you know, what was kind of a fun fact about you, something you really love to do? Um, you know, one thing some people may not know about me, but I worked for Mark Cuban. I was a direct report that ran the marketing department at his television network, it, formerly HDNet. We rebranded to Access TV and all concert network. And uh, I've probably helped produce close to 200 concerts a year uh, in the in the 2010s, the 2011, 2015 range. So, and we've given away, which we're going to talk about today, zero party data and value exchange. Um, I probably gave away 500 guitars, you know, getting people to tune in to their favorite band uh, live on their big screen in their home. Uh, and that was always fun. And I'm trying to help our clients do the same thing, you know, create unique experiences that, that connect them with their products and services. All right, great. Uh, and, and the, you know, the focus of this conversation is around zero party data, personalization, big push right now for zero party data. Uh, surveys, uh, you know, with GDPR, uh, CCPA, CDPA, and, you know, all the other privacy regulations are coming, uh, challenges getting technology work. So getting to know customers at a deeper level is very important. Uh, Zero-party data is kind of a, a big piece of that now. Uh, you know, what should brands be doing thinking about uh, zero-party data to, you know, to execute more effectively? Yeah, a, a couple things, and I'll be succinct on this because you can explore and learn what really is zero-party data. It's explicitly declared data from a consumer, from an individual to a given organization, right? Mostly we're talking about brands, getting it direct. Um, one thing to keep in mind here is when you collect you know, psychographic information, not just their name, their demographics, things that you've probably been buying or things that ad and media companies have on their own, this is really unique data that you have. So it's a great investment to know more about your customers, consumers. And it really, we're going to talk a little bit more, I'm sure, about the ways to use that data that'll differentiate your brand and give you a leg up and maybe even reduce your dependency on advertising spends. So, you know, data is knowledge. And we believe that the zero party data really goes beyond the third party and even sometimes first party to really make a difference for your brand and connecting and personalizing with consumers. 
Absolutely. When you look at uh, zero party data, uh, it's very important uh, to be able to action in real time and, you know, quote unquote, meet the customers where they are, the channel with the right content, with the right message. Uh, very important. You know, how, how do you advise brands uh, regarding you know, some strategies they should be cognizant of or, you know, putting forth to, to really meet customers uh, in, in, you know, in where they are? Yeah. So one of the most important things, if you're going to collect zero party data at scale, don't collect it then analyze it, then react on it. And what I mean by that is if you're actually going to have a true value exchange, what you should be doing is actually have a plan to, to in real time, activate that data as you're collecting. So a good example, um, one of our clients, Discovery Communications, give away, they give away these dream homes, right? Multi-million dollar dream homes. And they've collected over 100 million entries, but they've collected all kinds of information like, hey, are you a homeowner? Are you going to do a landscaping project this year? Uh, all these psychographic questions that you can't deduce from behavior or advertising or clicks. And before they even asked the questions, they had unique offers completely ready at the will. So as the data came in, think about Connect Four, right? A checker comes in and it bounces around depending on the answers and it lands in a certain slot or segment. Having an offer that's optimized, that's personalized in the email channel or SMS channel, or even triggering back to a, a segmented ad unit that gives them a discount, a free offer, or some exclusive content right. uh, is really crucial. So make your data collection interactive. And I'll share a stat. We see on average 60% open rates. If you ask somebody to actually give you some information when they hit the submit button, whatever that is, a form, you know, something on social, on your website, an interactive experience, if you fire off an email within 60 seconds, you'll get as up to a 60% open rate. Nobody gets those rates on average. So real time is the key when collecting data. Have a value exchange waiting as soon as they hit that submit button. When you look at the challenges there, I mean, brands uh, are looking to drive more customer loyalty. There's challenges with technology, having the right technology from, you know, how it's defined from a nomenclature perspective, data lakes, uh, data mills, right? Uh, Real-time AI, neural networks. How, how does that get to be a challenge, right? Having that right technology to be able to action on that, as you mentioned, and then to make sure that, you know, you have some personalized offer, some relevant offer based on that data you know, that, that, that has a reciprocal impact. Yeah, well, first off, you got to be a modern marketer. You got to think data centric and you got to think about if I'm asking these questions and I have this expected answer coming in, structured data, right? Red, blue, green, orange, or something else. You have to have an offer that matches that. So map that out first. That's the first thing you should do. Um, and you, you mentioned the technology. Sometimes the larger the technology you have, the more complicated it is to actually execute these things. And we see... I own an agency called Audience Sherpa outside of Cheetah Digital that literally helps small businesses enact exactly what we just discussed. And it's far easier because their data isn't siloed. So the number one thing I would look at brand marketers to say is, do you have some giant legacy technology platform that's very difficult to move data between your messaging platform and your CDP or where you're analyzing and filtering? Or can that data flow freely so that you can very easily create these real-time offers, again, back in the right channel. Can you send an offer to someone's wallet if they have your app? Can you send them an email triggered? Can you send an SMS message um, with maybe a dealership or a retailer that's local to them if you have their postal? So, um, you know, it can get complicated, but usually the biggest hurdle is marketers have invested in maybe legacy or technology that isn't really helping their data flow together. So that's the one thing you might want to kick the tires on. 
Absolutely. Uh, so you talked about a little bit, um, when you look at being able to collect and use this consumer data while, you know, being focused on trust, being focused on that value exchange, that reciprocity, that reciprocal value between the brand and the customers, you know, how can brands effectively do that? Yep. Number one thing, be incredibly transparent. If you are never going to sell or share that data, say it right up front, where are you collecting that data? Um, it's our it's our recommendation that you should not be, unless you are a media company or a data broker, which if you are, you, trouble times ahead with all the disruption that's happening with privacy legislation, as you mentioned, GDPR, CCPA, all these things. But if you're a brand, be very transparent. We will never sell or share your data. That right there is going to build trust. Also, real time, like I said, don't stew on it. Don't collect it. And then three months later, you know, act on it. If you and I were having a conversation, we met on the street and I said, hey, do you love spaghetti? And you said no. And I waited two weeks to invite you to a spaghetti dinner. That's not a good experience. So think about real time. So transparency, real time. And then second, think like a human. What are you going to ask and how are you going to reciprocate and use that data? If you're not going to use the data, don't ask for it. Don't ask somebody for something that you're not going to activate on. So those three things, I think, are, are bulletproof you know, blueprint for moving forward. Okay, absolutely. Uh, when you look at uh, kind of the state we are in, COVID uh, uh, necess- you know, it, it brought about a lot of changes for uh, brands from buying online, picking the store if they didn't have that, 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 that rapid push towards digitalization. Uh, but there's a big push to reimagine, redo, uh, enhance their customer loyalty programs. Uh, as a vehicle to increase that long-term customer lifetime value. You know, how can brands do that? And, and what are you seeing in that regard? Yeah, look, you and I have talked about this, um, you know, offline. Number one, don't think of loyalty as something that happens post-purchase, right? The first touch with a consumer before they even become your customer is where loyalty begins. We really believe at Cheetah Digital and, and the reason that we build a native platform that moves people from unknown to known to loyalist to advocate is because the first touch is where that loyalty begins. It's the heart of your customer experience. So think about personalization, think about things from first touch. Um, Two, learn more about people. Don't cast and blast. Don't think like, oh, we're gonna give all of our loyalty members or all of our customers this one size fits all offer. That doesn't fly anymore. I mean, people wanna be treated like individuals. So if you're revamping or reimagining, literally bake personalization into it. We just talked about that. Maybe it's a, an upgrade in your technology to make data flow. Maybe it's you know asking the right questions, tougher questions that you haven't had the chance to ask before. Um, and then hit people where, when, and how they want things. If you understand their wants and needs, it's not a cast and blast. You know the the whole idea of email blast or hey, let's blast the loyalty you know audience with this offer. Those are done. You got to think at a one to one. You got to scale that. Uh, if you nail those, you're going to be right in line with all the consumer trends we're seeing from all the analyst reports in the last year or two, especially coming out of COVID. Like, Invest in the ability to personalize so that you get the right offer to the right person in the right channel at the right moment. Moments that matter. Absolutely. Hey, been a lot of regulations, uh, as we mentioned, GDPR, CCPA, CDPA, uh, other privacy uh, states are looking at uh, other states are looking at privacy measures. Uh, personalization more important than ever before. Uh, you know, we have some challenges with Google, Google, Facebook, a very disruptive time right now. Uh, you talked about being able to manage the customer through the whole life cycle. You know, when you look at uh, the some of the restrictions that are there and, and the reality of being able to succeed on personalization, how, how do brands manage that uh, in an effective manner? 
Yeah, I mean, the great news here is we're talking about zero party data. If we go back to the beginning of how we defined this and how Forrester really helped uh, our CMO, Richard Jones, coin this phrase, zero party data, it's explicitly declared between the individual and the organization that's going to use the data, right? So this is not Cambridge Analytica. This is not, hey, Facebook, can you give us a bunch of data on some people that don't really know us? There's no third party. There's no second party. Um, and it's different in first party where first party might be transactional, right? A grocery store knows my name, knows my demographics because they're pulling it from my credit card, but they didn't really ask me for it. So first off, understand that. If you're collecting zero party data, you can think of it as a one-to-one -one contract between you and Jane Doe and John Doe at scale. And the beauty of that is if your terms and conditions, two important documents when you collect data, one, the privacy policy on your website. What are you going to do? How are you protecting their data? Um, are you going to use it for advertising? Are you going to sell it and share it? Define that. Two is your terms of use. How are we actually going to use it? What are we going to do with it? And how are we right. going to make your life better? So those are really crucial. And the beauty of that is it transcends most of the legislation. If you think about the legislation that's been enacted, GDPR, California Consumer Privacy Act, West Virginia, Virginia, everything, it's really to squash bad actors. But when you as a brand have a one-to-one -one contract, an IP address, a timestamp, a time that they said, yes, they explicitly checked the box that said, hey, you can use my data to do the things that your terms of use and privacy policy said, you are compliant. You are above the law. So you can basically transcend all these things that are basically the, the legislation saying, hey, you can't use that data because you don't have rights to it. You know, and you have to purge it because you bought it or you're using it or you're renting it from food, Facebook, Google, Amazon. So think about zero party data as a one-to-one -one smart contract. If you're into crypto, the blockchain is smart contracts at scale globally. Zero party data is literally a contract between you and the consumer. And that, that transcends the legislation. You have to respect it. If the person comes and says, hey, I'd no longer like you to use my data, that's easy. Most tools, including Cheetah, will let people opt out. But it transcends the, the legislation. I don't think a lot of marketers see it that way. And I think they should start looking at it as a one-to-one -one contract rather than some data grab, you know, where they're just buying aggregate data. Absolutely. When you look at uh, kind of best practices, uh, brands should be cognizant of with regard to future-proofing their, their data strategy. You mentioned some of them. Uh, what are two or three things that brands should be you know, cognizant consider of when they're looking to, you know, future-proof their, their, their data approach going forward. Yeah, there are three things I really like to hone in on. Number one, be as real-time as possible. I mentioned before, you can get a 60% open rate in an email if you've done a sweepstakes or an offer or some form on your website or a post-product you know, survey. Hey, thanks for buying our product. Can you tell us, you know, how do you like it? How's it fitting in your lifestyle, et cetera? If you can enact a response in real-time after they hit the submit button, you will get unbelievable email open rates. And at that point, it's incumbent on you to keep that conversation going. Maybe three days, five days, seven days later, have another offer or another you know, value exchange there. So number one, be as real time as possible. Two, which is linked closely to that, break down the data silos. Because as we just said, if your data lives here and there and you've got different vendors or some legacy platform where you can't get it from A to B to make it move quick, you got to change that. I'm sorry to say, you got to kick the tires. Um, you got to look at your technology. And if it's not moving in real time and allows you to activate this stuff in real time, your competitors are going to trounce you. There's no, no if, and, or buts about it. Thirdly, own as much data as possible. 
if you think about marketing and the, the cookie conundrum, we've got so, as and myself, brand marketers, all we did was reach into our pocket month over month and pay these media companies for reach and frequency. The more data you own, the more owned channels you can communicate in for free. I mean, you got to pay for the platform. It doesn't cost anything to send an email or an SMS. There's no algorithm suppressing it. There's no censorship or a Mark Zuckerberg telling you, nah, you actually can't do that. It's a completely owned channel. And uh, email never went away. It's, it's more powerful than ever today. In fact, there's a lot of stats that'll tell you an email will beat a banner ad by 90% in some cases when value, you know, value exchange or an offer to buy. So those three things, move in real time, get your data flowing so that you can move in real time and get as much data on your consumers as possible. If you do those three things, you're going to win. Absolutely. Um, you know, with uh, some of the uh, kind of infighting that you've seen between Google and Facebook, uh, privacy, Apple, uh, cookies going away, uh, the increasing regulations, uh, you know, that uh, the, the challenge in the MarTech space, you know, eight, 9,000 uh, technology platforms and growing, you know, how does declared data present a way for marketers to, you know, build their own unique connections with customers? So you, you talked about it a little bit, would love to know how you see declared data as kind of a, you know, an opportunity. Yeah, I'll give you a good example. We have a global sporting brands, uh, sporting goods brand that has collected over a million zero party data record, a million people into their database. Over 60% of the people in that database explicitly declared that they do not yet own that brand's product, right? Holy grail. They actually have a connection, email address and psychographic information from their competitors' customers. Not only that, because they're in real time and they've done all the things we talked about, they have a better open and engagement rate through email and SMS with their competitors' customers than the competitors do with their own customers. So it's a point of differentiation. Number two, that brand reduced their marketing budget and spend by $1.2 million, but increased sales 3.3 million in 18 months. They basically said, we can continue to advertise and try and differentiate in advertising. Our competitors have the same exact tools, different ads, different creative, but the same platforms, the same reach and frequency and owning the data really change the game. So they decrease marketing spend. And when they do advertise, they only advertise by loading their own zero party data up to those platforms, in, sp in particular, Google. They will remarket to known individuals that are competitors and they'll get a 5.7 increase in ad efficiency when they're using their own segmented data. So they know the pain points. They've asked, hey, what's your pain point in the product you own now? What would you like to change if you could? So they're chipping away with both email, SMS, and some targeted advertising. They're eroding confidence in the brand that the consumer owns right now, and they're stealing market share. So much so that their two biggest competitors, who are larger than them, flew around the country to ask their main dealers and retailers, why is this tiny little company that's not advertising anymore getting more and more shelf space? So take that model real-time, silo, collect as much data as possible, you'll differentiate, you'll have a competitive advantage, and I promise you, you will sleep better at night knowing you have options, even if you're going to play on the same ball field of you know, advertising, Facebook, social, you know, whatever it is. You're going to have a competitive advantage with that zero-party data. Absolutely. And then the last question, you kind of touched on a little bit, but in the, the context, uh, the relevancy, the context of the situation, the right channel being the channel they need to be, uh, you know, how important is it to have that context and being able, more importantly, you talked about it, gathering as much data as you can 
to you know enable that contextualized approach. This is this is huge, and this all goes back to um, contextualized data along with the zero party. Uh, I have another client who is manufactures storage solutions for vehicles. Um, you know, profitable company doing some great stuff. They essentially are out advertising value exchange. They do giant sweepstakes and they do a lot of them. So they're bringing in consumers that aren't even owning their products, but they're bringing in the context of, hey, did this person come from an organic Instagram post from our brand? Did they come from a paid Instagram post with an influencer? Did they come from a print ad or a television ad? So they bring that context in with that zero party data. So let's say Jane Doe told us she drives a truck she has an accessory budget for her vehicle of $1,000. Well, they know she came from an influencer on Instagram. So now what they can do is double down and start sending offers or tell that influencer, hey, we hire you for a reason to get us reach and frequency. I'm making up the numbers here, but you got 10,000 entries and your entries tend to skew like this. They mostly own trucks. They mostly have a budget of $1,000 or less, and they mostly love to camp. So now they can create a unique offering or content that promotes their product with that particular influencer, which drives more sales. Now, skew that across all the influencers, all the different touch points. So when you bring that context of how a contact actually came to be, um, you can go back to that channel and it's incredibly effective. Their first campaign they ran with us, they had, I believe, a 270% increase in 15 days sales. It was the largest increase they saw in e-commerce sales because again, they had a real-time offer waiting in the wings. They brought in the context of the channel that the person found the sweepstakes from, and then they activated back in that same channel. And those people actually went and bought product. It, it's, it's not rocket science. You just have to do the work, build the framework, have the technology and map it out before you start. Absolutely. Well, Tim, uh, very interesting talking with you today, as always. Uh, I think uh, you are obviously one of the leaders in the industry in a number of different uh, respects, but uh, what you guys are doing around zero-party declared data and, and making it actionable uh, and measurable is very uh, you know, uh, powerful, and it, it's great always to hear what you guys are doing and look forward to learning more uh, throughout the year from you guys. Yeah, we, you know, look, we'll talk about this until uh, we're blue in the face. We're always happy to talk about it. We love it. And our clients are, are reaping the rewards when uh, when they put these blueprints in place. So we hope, you know, hope your viewers found it helpful. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, looking forward to having you guys back soon. Tune in next Tuesday. We're going to have Baseman on Loyalty Live and uh, looking forward to that discussion as well. So thank you very much for, for watching. <laughs>